What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Deer Vane Podcast. It's the start of 2022. We're about in February right now, and a lot of people making goals, a lot of people making decisions, things that they want to do over the next year. I think that's really important. Uh, I made a list for myself on what I want to do, what I want to accomplish um, with my family, with my work, with my personal life, um, and with my hunting seasons. And I think that's extremely important. The, the, the saying that people say all the time is, where did the time go? Oh my God, that was six years ago already. Oh my gosh, wow, I can't believe it's already been four years. And they look back in that time frame and a lot of them wonder what the hell happened. That last four years has been a blur and they have nothing to really show for it. You know, you kind of wake up and you're like, okay, I'm four years progressed with my life, but what have I done with it? Have I gotten the promotion I wanted? Have I shot the bucks that I wanted? Have I hit the fitness goals that I wanted? Am I financially sound as I wanted or I thought I'd be at 35 or 42 or 26? A lot of people like wake up and and it, and they try to figure that out and then they realize they haven't done anything. And I've done this myself and that's why I bring it up. You You wake up and you're like, wow, okay, I need to figure this out and get off my ass and start planning these goals, some measurable goals for myself. Or else I'm going to wake up in another four years and it's just going to be another blur. And that's the thing that, the thing that drives me the most is probably regret. I don't want to regret. I don't want to waste opportunities and I don't want to regret not doing something when I should have. Or the worst thing that I, that I fear the most is regret because I was just fucking lazy like that that in itself is is my biggest fear and that's what gets me up at 5 a.m pretty much every day and has me going to bed at 10 or 11 p.m is because I am just not interested in regretting choices that I made because I was lazy um you know and that that comes for a lot of people um and so today the the topic of the podcast today is Deer hunting is involved, and I know this is the Deer Vane podcast, but I set out on this journey to podcast because I wanted to, I wanted to provide information that I thought would be useful to other people, whether these people were, uh, you know, 14 years old and just trying to kill their first doe, or they were 50 years old or 60 years old and they're just getting into bow hunting, and I've been doing, you know, I have 110 podcasts on that. Um, and this is just something that I'm very passionate about. I work hard. I work very hard at my life and making sure that I am this way. And I wanted to talk today about personal responsibility. It's something we all have in life, some of us more than others, and some of us don't even want it. Some of us don't even want to be held responsible for our own actions. They want to blame everyone else. They want to blame the system. They want to blame their friends. They want to blame their neighbors. They want to blame their boss. You know, they want to blame the other public land hunters. They want to blame the the neighbors for pushing all the deer, not having the right food plot or whatever. And a lot of people don't ever want to point the finger at themselves. And in order to have the person like 
since I turned that around, it's something my mom taught me very young in life. I played soccer a lot. Uh, soccer's an 11, there's 11 people on the field, played it all through college. And when I was, I'll never forget it, when I was like 10 or 11 years old, I had one of the best games of my life in a big, in a big like championship game. And we lost. We ended up losing uh, like one to nothing. And I, and I, afterwards I said to my mom, I was like, man, mom, it's not my fault. Like I tried so hard and it's not my fault that we lost and we lost one to zero. And I, I blame the offense. I said, why I was playing defense at the time. I said, why can't the offense score? Why can't they, you know, do their job? I did a damn good job and they got one goal. Why can't they do theirs? And my mom looked at me and said, well, you gave up one goal, Anthony. If you would have done your job better, they wouldn't have scored at all. She said, if you would have done your job better, you would have played a ball out of the back up to a, uh, an offensive player and they would have been able to score. You would have been, you would have had an assist. If you wouldn't have given away a couple balls in the back, maybe they would have never had the opportunity to score. She turned around it on. She turned it around on me and immediately put it back in my face. And, and that was like an eye-opening scenario for me. Um, it was great that a loved one, a person that I trusted so much as my mom, you know, that you can't run away from, that you can't hide from, that you can't quit texting or quit calling. Um, not even that we had texting or calling back then. But it was one of those things that, that really opened my eyes to personal responsibility and as I, I think Jocko calls it, extreme ownership. Right. And, and having that desire to say, you know what, I'm taking this into my own hands and I'm having I, I'm going to create this sense of personal responsibility for myself so that when shit fails, it's my fault and it's no one else's fault. And I've had that and, and I, that that idea bounced around in my head a lot. And when I was about 21, 22 years old, it all came to a head. Um, and I had a, how would I describe it? A very like emotional and confrontational and di a very difficult mental 21 and 22 years of my life. Um, the, those two ages. And it was because of choices that I had made, negative choices that I had made in my life that negatively impacted a lot of my friends and family at the time. Um, and after that, I came, I came out of it and, and, and I said, you know what I'm, I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to be who I am and that's all I'm going to be. And I'm going to, I'm going to break, I'm going to essentially own everything, all of my faults, all of my pros, all of my cons, and I'm going to work out of this scenario that I'm in. And I'm just going to be me. I'm not going to be fake for anybody. I'm just going to tell it how it is every time. And I'm not going to back down from people who think that maybe hunting is the right thing to do or that I'm making some poor financial decisions or that I should, you know, run my life this way or should I, I should get this job. I should chase this career. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm just going to I'm just going to be me and I'm going to do me. And I'm going to live and die by my own sword. And from that point on, 
Um, I was just getting out of college. And I, because of that mindset, I naturally fell into the category of sales because I love the idea of a, of a sales quota and the, the ability to make as much money as I want um, via commissions. But then also, if I fail, it's my fault. Nobody else around me um, has, the, has the ability to, to tear me down because I have my quota, I have my uh, objectives, and I have to go tackle them. Whether it takes me four hours a day or it takes me 12 hours a day, those are my objectives, and I need to be successful. And I like that mindset. And that's kind of the what I want to share with everyone today on this is is if you're in that if you're in the boat at all or you're trying to get out of the boat like I was um, and things are just seeming a little tough and you're trying to get through and, and figure out goals or you're trying to get to to whatever you think that next stage in life is, I guarantee that personal like taking ownership and personal responsibility is going to help you at all. I'll help you a ton. You know, I hap, happiness. I've, I've, I've achieved a lot of objectives in, in my life. Um, in Dear Vein podcast being one, number one, getting to a certain number of listens, getting to a certain number of episodes, getting some sponsorships. You know, a lot of people can't, a lot of people don't, don't achieve that. Um, and that's something that was really important to me to achieve and I've gotten gotten most of the way there. And I haven't found when I achieve those objectives, it provides me temporary happiness. It provides me a an instance of happiness that says, wow, you've done this. And I don't know if it's just my mentality, who I am, how I was raised, but that temporary happiness lasts minutes. Maybe maybe an hour or two if it's somebody something that's been really important for me, um, something I've been really working hard towards. But it's really just you know minutes or hours that that happens. I've found you know I'm only 31, but I found that happiness and this is very cliche, but it's not in the it's not in earning the objectives, it's in the journey to those objectives. That's why like relating to deer hunting, that's why you hear so many of these guys out here that, that are really good deer hunters. They love the scouting aspect. They love the journey, the adventure, the curiosity, the new ground, the old ground that they're trying to reinvigorate and refigure out and relearn. They love the process just as much, if, if not more, than they love the objective at the end. You know, that's why a ton of these guys talk about the story is what's most important to them, not the size of the antlers. Because when you're sitting there around all your buddies and you're looking at these deer in your house and you look at them and they go, how many inches is that? And you go, you know, 162. They go, cool. And then you go, can I tell you the story? And the story is is where the happiness is. The story is where 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 the failure is and also where the success is. And that's, and that's where, where the prize is derived from is that failure and success. If everybody were successful and at everything you did, there would be no prize. Right there, like if you were always happy, if you were always doing 
everything was falling falling for you. Every deal I every deal I pitched, every time I talked to somebody, they just said, "Yep, Anthony, I'm buying. I'm buying. I'm buying." It's gonna make me a lot of money, but is it gonna bring me a ton of happiness? Because happiness comes from, in my in my world at least, happiness comes from having the struggle, overcoming the struggle, and gaining that objective that you tackled. That is why I, I love weightlifting so much. So with with that, there's I wanted to talk about health you know, your, your fitness levels and things like that and your diet a little bit. I wanted to talk about money because that money rules the world. If anyone tells you different, you know, money and power, that's, that's where people, that's what rules the world. And there's a lot that goes into that. So, and we're not going to cover all that, but I mean, you have to have your money right or else you'll never be free. You'll never truly be free. And then you have to have, and then the last one I want to talk about is hunting. And I shouldn't say that money, you'll never be free because you could literally cast off all worldly possessions and just go do whatever the hell you feel like doing for whenever. And, and you can be free that way. That's, that's not true. You can, you can certainly be free without money, but for the typical person who's trying to, you know, have a job and have a family and have a house and have friends and all that kind of stuff where you're, uh, you, you know, you need to purchase things. If that's something you want to do, you have to have your money right. So that's those are the things I want to talk to about today. Health, money, and hunting. And again, these are all like my personal, these are all things that have come from my personal experience and my personal life and things that I think would help people if they are working towards a better life for themselves. And and not all of this may may affect you, but some of it might. There might be something in here that that I say that that helps you change your outlook on 2022 going forward or helps you push past something that you that's been a mental block for a long time. And the first thing I feel like you need to do in this in this journey of of owning like personal responsibility and, and extreme ownership the first thing I feel like you need to do is take a look in the mirror and find out who you are. Not not like who, who you think you are, but really at, at its core, who the fuck you are. Admit to yourself who you are, that you're not a baller, that you're not some awesome sales guy, that you're not the best deer hunter in the world, that you struggle uh, sometimes with your relationship with your wife, that you struggle sometimes with relationships with your kids, that you want to be better at being a better friend and, and actually responding to all your texts and not being a flake, that you want to call your mom, that you should call your mom, you know, once a month just to say hi, at least, you know, she gave birth to you, right? At least say hi. You know, there's, there's, you need to admit who you are. And start at ground zero because if you don't and and you still wear a mask or you still wear two masks or you wear a cloak and you're really trying to hide from yourself, you're just half-assing it again. And it it doesn't feel good. I'm not that's not the purpose of the exercise. Because it never made me feel good. And I try to do this at least a couple times a year now. And it always you always think 
that you're better than you are because that's the only way you can have like confidence and a positive attitude is really like thinking you're this great person and you're doing well because that's why we all make the choices we make, right? You know, when we don't go out into the world and go, you know what, I'm going to be an asshole today and make all these awful choices that negatively impact a ton of people. Very few people that do that. Most of us make the choices that we make because we think they're the right choice at the time. Or it's possible that we're too lazy to make the right choice. You know, maybe the right choice. I have a friend right now who's planning a birthday party. His wife's planning a surprise birthday party. And some of his friends aren't even responding to any of the Facebook or text messages or Snapchats or anything. They're just not even responding. And that's just pure laziness. Or maybe they think they're, they just don't give a shit. You know, they just don't care. I don't think they're setting out to, to be negative and negatively impact my buddy who's not going to see him on his birthday for his 30th birthday because he, because they just don't show up. Right. I don't think that's, that's their thought process. Their thought process is, ah, it's, it's a month away. I don't need to worry about that now. Or I don't feel like responding. Oh, I'm watching a movie or whatever the fuck it is. You know, I, I think a lot of our choices are, are derived because we think we're making the right choices. But then when we really sit down and look in the mirror and, and take a look at and reflect on those choices that we've made, a lot of them aren't so great. And I know that my, my, me personally, I don't, I'm not perfect by no means. I still make poor choices pretty much on a daily basis. And the, the thing that I think helps move past all of that is knowing when you made a poor choice and being able to admit to yourself, shit, that was a poor choice. Don't be stubborn and get locked into it, locked into a bad decision at a bad time and a poor choice. Get out of that because you're going to be stuck in that bad mood and that poor choice and whatever it is you're doing. And, and it's much, much easier to admit it than it is to stay in it. And a lot of people try to stay in it because it's like when you get caught in a lie and you try to build more lies on top of that lie. It just doesn't, you, you, you can do it and you can do it for a long time. But it's a lot of stress, it's a lot of anxiety, and it's and rather than just admit it on the front end and get it over with, you're sitting there slowly peeling off the band-aid. And as it's just like barely falling off, but it's falling off more and more every day, rather than just rip that thing off and go, This is what I did, this is what I chose to talk about, this is the lie I had. Let's move on. Either we're here or we're not, you know, and get it over with. And when you're able to do that, you can start moving past a lot of these. And you'll notice, I know personally for me, I noticed that I started making choices that I thought were harder at the time, but they were the right choice. I don't want to go to my buddy's birthday party. It's a long ways away. Oh, perfect instance. I do want to go to my buddy's birthday party. But my cousin, my cousin invites me to his bachelor party. It's going to cost me $1,500 and five days of my life. I don't want to do that. Like, I love my cousin, but fuck, let's just go to a bar, have some beers. Let's spend a night. Let's do a cabin. You know, let's hang out for a day or two. Let's not take this extravagant $1,500 trip with a boatload of people that I don't even know because you moved to, you moved nine states over and grew up somewhere else. 
I don't even know any of these people. And now I'm going to go throw $1,500 on your bachelor party because why? Like I, I can have a beer with you any other time, but you know what? If I don't go and other people have the same thoughts that I have, he might have a bachelor party where no one shows up. So the, the, the hard, the hard choice in this scenario is to go to the bachelor party, even though I don't want to, even though it's going to be time away from my family and it's going to hurt me financially. And I, and I, and I think like, as you had start admitting to yourself what the right choice is versus what the choice that you want to make is, you're going to start learning and you're going to start realizing that you need to make more of those right choices, even though they're a little bit harder, you got to start making them. Because that's the only way to make change is it, 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 if it's one step at a time, right? One decision at a time gets you somewhere. These guys who kill monster bucks all the time, they make one decision at a time. They don't see, you know, they don't see nine months into the future and just automatically get there. They all take steps and, and taking those in making those individual decisions and those individual choices to make the right choice and not the easy choice, that is how you move forward and how you start that process of becoming a better person and what some people would call integrity or character, having more of it, having a solid foundation. One of those biggest one of the biggest things is like looking in the mirror and going, Are am I fat? Am I lazy? Am I putting in a hundred percent effort at my job? Do I over-exaggerate all my stories? Do I make people think I have a ton of money when really I don't? Am I swimming in debt because I try to keep up with the Joneses? But really I'm terrified of my next bill. Like those are the, those are the questions you need to look at yourself and go, do I want to live my life with this, with this stress and this anxiety over my head of, of being someone that I'm not? And who, who am I? And how do I build out of that? How, if I'm fat, how do I admit that I'm fat? The reason, the reason people like, you know, my dad is very overweight. Okay. And you can call him fat and he doesn't care. The reason he doesn't care is because he knows he is and he doesn't take offense to it. And he's trying to get better. He's trying to get healthier. He's eating healthier. He's exercising. He's getting after it. When, when someone takes offense, when you call him fat, it's because they don't want to admit to themselves that they're fat. They don't want, they don't want that to happen. Like you don't ever see anybody getting pissed of, pissed off. They're like, man, you are you are jacked. You look very physically fit. You don't see people getting pissed off at that. It's because they want to be that way. People don't want to be fat. Yet when they are, they take offense to you calling them fat because they don't like their own skin. They don't like what they've done to themselves and they don't want you to call them that. They don't want them. You're forcing them to admit that that's what they are. And you know what happens is because my sister's overweight and I've seen her go through it because she will break down for the next few days. She might be an asshole to that person in, in, in person, be a real dick to them and call them a jerk and yada, yada, yada. But then for the next three, four, five weeks, she's hitting the gym because she didn't like it. And she's trying to get after it and she's trying to fix it because she doesn't like it. And everybody... You, the problem with a lot of with with that is like I said she's there three four five weeks she doesn't have the grind to stay on it and it's tough it really is and that's a whole nother conversation but just admitting it that that's what you are that's who you are then that's the first step in, in getting 
over that. And that sounds like an AA meeting, <laughs> but in all reality, that that is that is truly where it has happened. And since, you know, like for, for me, I'm not saying I'm the most successful person ever, but without divulging like too much information about my, my personal life, like I'm fairly physically fit. I can run a six minute mile. I can do a boatload of pushups. I can, you know, bench, whatever, squat, whatever, uh, not whatever, like I'm not that strong, but anyway, like, and, and financially, like we, I'm 31 years old and we don't have life insurance because we, we've done well enough that we're able to not have life insurance and our kids are going to be fine if both of us were to die. So that is, that, that's the position that I'm coming from. And then from a hunting perspective, you guys know my hunting, uh, my hunting background. Like I'm not, I have tried to kill so many bucks and I've, I've screwed up so many opportunities, but I, I always continue to move forward. And one of the reasons I started the podcast was not because I'm the best hunter. I'm not Mark Drury. I'm not Aaron Snyder. I'm not Cam Haynes. I'm not all these, you know, uh, Austin Chandler, Clint Casper, any of these giant buck killers, you know, it's not, that's, I'm trying to get there. Like that's part of the admitting, like I'm not a big buck killer and I'm trying to become that. Um, and so there's, there's a, I forget where I was going with that one. Um, but those, yeah, that's that, I guess that's kind of the, the background of it. Um, on, on where we're at and why I think that I have some sort of leg to stand on here in, in having these conversations and saying like, this is where I would begin if I were you admitting to yourself that this is where I am. And then also once you admit to yourself like who you are and where you are you can start really reducing anxiety and stress those are the two things that that kill a ton of people and keep people from doing things that they should be doing for instance <clears throat> one second here going to the gym that was one of my sister's biggest fears being an overweight person going to the gym. And I said, why are you afraid of going to the gym? Everyone's going to be happy for you. And she thinks that everyone's going to make fun of her because she's overweight. And that, that, that hit home for me because it's not a perspective I've, I've, I've had, you know, playing soccer my whole life. I've, I've always been a runner and fairly skinny and I've never had an issue walking into a weight room. Besides the fact that I thought I was too skinny and I was a little pussy. So that's, you know, that, that in itself is anxiety and stress as well. Like when you're walking up next to, you know, football players in college and they're throwing up, you know, three, four plates benching and you're just trying to do maybe one plate, you know, and you're barely getting that up, <laughs> you know, different, different sports, uh, sports, different stuff, but you're, you're still, you know, everybody's got a lot of testosterone in that room and everybody thinks they're the best at what they do. But when you're able to admit who you are and what you are anxiety in the sense of you're, you start to remove the outside pressure when you're confident in who you are and you know, in your heart that you're just working to be better. People can't really hurt you. Like if someone came to me and said, Anthony, you're a shit podcaster and you're a terrible deer hunter. I'd say, okay, cool. Well, I'm working at it to get better. You like that doesn't hurt me emotionally or mentally at all because well a i know i'm not a shit podcaster because I, I i believe i'm good 
Um, but B, like if I'm a shit hunter, that's cool. Like, yeah, I haven't had a great last few years, but I think I'm pretty good. I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep going. Like, thanks for your input. See ya. And you know, the important thing about that is those are the people that, those are the assholes that you don't want to be friends with anyway. You know, if, if, if you're, if you have people in your life that only like you because they think you're fake about something, like say, say you have a, uh, let's go with, um, Let's go with working out. We'll start on the health topic. If you if you only have friends in your life that are sitting there and you post some photos of you laying on a bench with, you know, let's just say 315 on the bench. And really, in reality, you can maybe do that once, but you're posting, you know, three by three by eight sets, you know, of 315, yada, yada, yada. And people think you're cool. And then all of a sudden they realize that you can't actually do it. Like, A, they lose a ton of respect for you because you're a liar and a cheat. And B, like, if if they only like you because you're fake, that doesn't mean they like you. You know, you if, if, you're, if you're like, I'm at 315 and I can do it once, I'm working up, and I would really love to be able to do sets three by eight, those people are probably still going to be your friends. They're probably still going to be in that friend group, and they're probably still going to like you, and they're going to have a lot more respect for you then if you lie to them about what you're able to do and they find out later, right? And once you, for, for that anxiety piece, once you admit who you are and you walk into a room and you're like, you know what, I know I'm not the best, but, I, but I'm sure as hell going to try and I'm going to put my best effort forward, every other person, every other successful person in that room will not make fun of you and they'll have more respect for you than if you were to walk in that room thinking you're the big shot. And I know like I still get anxiety for sure when I roll into sales calls with with really high up people in these in some of these companies that I talk to. I'm talking to CFOs, talking to CEOs, these people who are 60 years old have been playing the game for longer than I have been alive. And I have to I have to talk to them about, you know, my product and what I'm up to and everything. And some of them I'm terrified of. But I, I quell that anxiety. Because I'm terrified of losing. That's that's what I'm terrified of. I'm terrified of them beating me up, knowing so much more than me that I can't, I, I can't have a, a what I want to say a, a conversation back with them, and they just beat me down to a pulp in that conversation. Because sales, if you're not in sales at all, say like I'm not a sleazy sleazeball used carman sales sales guy. What what we teach our customers about our product. We show them different use cases, different ways they can use it, and then they choose whether or not it's right for their company. I'm not, I'm not, you know, uh, you know, pulling the old, hey, here's the product. Oh, actually, you get this, you know, and it's much more expensive for that. Yada yada yada. That's not, that's not what I do at all. And some of these, some of these people, they they don't want to take meetings with me, but for whatever reason, um, they've been convinced to by someone else in their company yada yada and the first thing out of their mouth is hey anthony i don't really want to be here today you have 10 minutes to tell me what you have and why i should be here and that just sets you right on foot you know right away and that provides a lot of anxiety and and a little bit of uh i don't know being a little terrified of that but how you how you how you get over that is i i know that if if i'm just afraid of that scenario, if I'm just afraid of it and I take it and I'm like scared of it and I'm, I'm a little bitch about it and I get pummeled 
in that conversation without really fighting back at all. I know that in 10 meetings, that 10 meetings later with the same type of people, I'm still going to be getting pummeled. But if I stand up to that guy and I fight back, and maybe I get pummeled on the first one, maybe I get pummeled on the second one, but maybe the third one I win, and the fourth one I win. The fifth one I get beat again, but the sixth one I win. Hell, you know, a three out of six, 50% record with CEOs compared to 0 for 10, I'm going to take that all the time. Right. And, and having the anxiety and, and, and falling back and just crying about it will never get me to where I want to be. So moving and, and that goes for in the gym, right? Moving on to the health portion of, of the podcast is no one ever looks at that themselves in the mirror and go, fuck, I'm so upset that I can run a six minute mile. I'm so upset that I can run an eight minute mile. I'm so upset that I can squat, you know, 225. I'm so upset that I can squat 135. Hell, I know people who look in the mirror and all they want to do is be able to play with their kids for 30 minutes without being out of breath. And no one in their right mind looks at that scenario and goes, I don't want to be fit. But the thing everyone, everyone says as I don't want to do the work, right? I, I, I don't, I, I'm too lazy. I don't have time. I don't want to do the work. And that, that directly ties to personal responsibility. It's not the, it's not the easy choice, but it is the right choice. One of the things that I'm afraid of that I, I was raised like without playing soccer and my dad being overweight we didn't get to play together often. We, I would ask him to practice with me, and he'd practice with me for 20 minutes, and that'd be it. He wouldn't be able to do any more. And that's something I never want my kids to grow up with. I want my kids to be able to ask me to play basketball, ask me to play baseball, ask me to go play tag, ask me just to, for me to be the jungle gym that they can crawl around and jump on, and I show up to work with a black eye. Right. I, I, I just I don't want my kids to ever I don't ever want to be the weak link in saying, hey, man, I can't buddy. I can't I can't run anymore because I'm just too tired. You know, I can't help you get to your, the next level of your life playing baseball, playing soccer, playing basketball, playing football, whatever, because I'm too out of shape myself. Let me go pay somebody to do what I can't. And I just not. I'm not interested in that. That's a that's one of those big regrets for me. One thing that I've always that I've always thought and that's that's driven me a lot is the saying complacency kills greatness. If you're complacent with where you're at and it's okay to you not to be able to play with your kids, it's okay with you not to be able to, you know, run a mile in under 10 minutes. It's okay for you not to be able to do 25 push-ups. I I get it, but that's like and people go through their whole lives without doing that. You know, without being able to do that. But if if you just want to be another bump on a log and just coast through life, then go you'll have to go ahead and just do that. And some people that's just what they want to do. They want to be a bump on a log and this podcast is not for them. Because I want I want my family to look back on me when I when I when I die 
and I want them to say, he was a good dad. He worked hard. He put us in a great financial scenario. He was always there mentally, physically, emotionally for everyone around him. That's what I, that's what I want out of my life. And to me, that's greatness. That's satisfaction. That's prosperous. That is like where it's at. And so that's what, that's what I'm after. And that's what I think a lot of people should be after in life. Um, so get getting after it and just making the right choice, not the easy choice. Get out of bed at 5 a.m. I don't care if you're going to walk a mile and do 10 push-ups. Whatever it is, start somewhere. You don't need to be able to run a six-minute mile next week. You just need to be able to complete the mile or even just complete a half mile or a quarter mile. Hell, just complete the walk to your mailbox and back. I don't care, but you have to start somewhere. And if you look at the top of the mountain and go, fuck, I have to get there, it's going to be a hard road. But if you look at the tree 20 yards in front of you and say, I just have to get there, that's a much easy road. And it's something I tell myself every time I go elk hunting in September. It sucks looking at the top of that mountain and knowing that I'm going to eventually be up there in like four hours. But at the same time, if I just take 20 steps at a time, 30 steps at a time, eventually I'll get there. Just have to start somewhere. And that's how it is for all of us in our health journey and being physically fit. The other big piece on this is mental fortitude and mental toughness to just not be a bitch when it comes to eating food. Like, if you're going to try to be healthy, I think the easiest thing anyone can do that takes minimal effort is just say no to shit food. Say no to McDonald's, no to Culver's, no to cheese curds. I know that's hard being in Wisconsin. It is, and I and that's blasphemy. I understand. I get it. But, like, those are not good foods if you're trying to get healthy. You know, say no to donuts, to candy to late night ice cream, you know, and it doesn't need to be, you know, cold turkey, everything we're done, but work your way there, you know, start and start eating healthier foods and, and, and stop buying pre-frozen, pre-made, deep fried, processed garbage. When you go to the grocery store, just shop around the outside, shop in the veggies, shop in the meats, shop in the dairy, and then walk out. You know, don't go down those middle aisles. And if you ha- if you only have food that's healthy, that's one way to get there. Like if you only have food in your house that's healthy, when you look for a snack, there ain't going to be Doritos in the cupboard, right? There ain't going to be Cheetos in there. There's not going to be pretzels. There's not going to be, you know, fruit snacks, whatever. There's going to be some apples, maybe some pears, and there's going to be some carrots in the fridge. Like you pick. If you're really that hungry, you're going to eat the goddamn apple, Right? And you don't have another option. And I think that once that that's that's where you can begin. And I think people can really start once you started that route, then you start introducing those, you know, Doritos or Cheetos, whatever back into your life. If you ever want to go back that route or maybe your significant other wants to eat them or maybe your kids want to eat them or maybe your roommate wants to eat them or your mom brings over some awful pasta meal for you that's just loaded with carbs and fats and she wants you to eat that you know so you eat a meal with her and then and then it sits in your fridge the ability to say no to that later in life 
and even when it's open to you and, and no one's watching, no one's around, no one's going to know that you ate that piece of lasagna when you shouldn't have at, you know, 11 p.m. right before you went to bed. But you'll know. You'll know you cheated. You'll know you made the wrong choice, not the right choice, that you made the easy choice, not the right choice. And that's where I think people strive for. I think that's where they're, where people need to head. And it's something I do all I do I do often. You know, when my wife was pregnant, she was not interested in celery before bed. She was interested in two tubs of whatever ice cream I could find at Quick Trip. <laughs> you know, and and she would she would get mad if I didn't eat it with her. <laughs> so I would have some and it'd be fine. Um but you bet your ass I was up the next morning trying to work that off. You know, and not, and knowing that that I'm making a sacrifice here, as long as you consciously know that that's a sacrifice you're making, you know it is what it is. But at least you have the self control and the mental fortitude to understand that and to know that and to make that choice and not just give in to it. Moving on, moving on from health to one of my favorite subjects in life which is money it's something we all have to deal with every single day of our life bills cell phone bills you know buying gas eating groceries you know whatever it is we all deal with money getting paid going to work and the number one or number two i can't remember which one it is anymore Number one or number two most advertised and most marketed uh, items in the world is credit cards and loans and mortgages and reverse mortgages because there's so much money in it and it's a phenomenal way to get you to spend more on a monthly budget and get you to th- quit thinking about money as a whole, but think about it in a monthly time frame. And I, I mean, I know a lot of people and I've talked to a few people on the podcast after the podcast over who work in banks and work in the financial sector. And some of these people are, it's, it's very common for people's paychecks to be, you know, 80 or 90% full and be going out the door before they even get them. And I just can't, I can't live my life like that. You know, you, you have a responsibility to, to not only yourself, but to your family, you, whether you have a wife and kids or whether you have parents or siblings that could be responsible for you when you die, you have a, you have a right to, uh, you have an obligation to all them to be financially sound and not leave them with this massive burden because money's the one thing everybody's always going to come after. You know, even when people die, the banks are still coming after the money, right? Oh, sorry, your dad died. Hey, can I have that 150 K he owes me? You know, Oh, by the way, we really need it in the next 60 days. You know, sorry, but we need it. Don't you have an insurance policy? Don't you have life insurance? Could you sell his house? They'll find ways to get the money out of you. And they're not nice about it because they don't care. There is no emotion in money except for philanthropy. So 
I should say there's minimal emotion and money. It just is what it is. And for a lot of people out there, like you kind of sit there and wonder like, wow, I can never afford a lone wolf custom gear tree stand. It's $500. Who the fuck has that kind of money? Well, you blew $500 over the last four months at the bars on Saturday. So sounds like you do. And you're just making different choices, which is totally cool. But don't hate me because I didn't make those same choices. And I saved that $500 and I went and bought a Lone Wolf custom gear tree stand. And now I am more fulfilled because now I've, I've worked through, worked for this objective that I finally have this really high end tree stand and you're sitting there going four months, four months down the road, where'd the time go? Oh my gosh, I can't believe that. Oh, I can't afford that. Or, or people who can't even afford, like I had one person uh, that I know that during COVID their commission check got pushed back. And with their commission check being pushed back, they had to pull a loan to pay their mortgage. And their commission check was pushed back three months. They couldn't afford their mortgage on their house for three months without that commission check. Which for three months, you know, they were talking probably close to eight grand. Like they didn't even have eight grand in the bank to pay that, which boggles my mind. How do you not have eight thousand dollars when I know you you and your family make over one hundred and fifty grand a year? And that just blows my mind that that's the case. And if you're those people out there, like you're putting a lot of stress on your family, you're putting a lot of stress on your kids, you're putting a ton of stress on yourself. Man, the guy, there was a guy that I babysat for uh, in high school and he ended up, he had three kids and a wife and he ended up killing himself because he got in so much debt and so over his head in real estate that he couldn't afford anything. And so he ended up just taking his own life. It was one of the saddest days of my life. That guy was awesome. He's a great dude, but I guess like on the outside, he was one guy, but on the inside, he was another and his family, you know, obviously they, they survived and they pushed through it and I still see him, but fuck that shit's wild when that happens. And that's what this, that's what being terrible with money can drive you to do. Getting, getting your money right and making sure that you're not <clears throat> getting into a whole bunch of credit card debt getting into mortgages or apartments that you can't afford, saving your money. Uh, even, you know, some people say you have to put it into 401ks and investments. You don't have to, you can, but that also is a, is a game as well. You know, that's a game for certain people. And it's a very, it's a, it's a, it's a very high odds game that you're going to pull 7% in 30, 40 years. But you don't know what it's going to do in five years if you need that money. You don't know what it's going to do in 10 years. It's likely that it's going to be 7% or more increase, but you don't know. And then what are your penalties on pulling it out? You know, the big thing, credit cards, like, you know, I had a conversation with one of my one of my coworkers and he said, um, hey, you know, uh, with with your commission check, what are you going to do with it? I, I made a big sale uh, a few months ago. 
and everybody knows big big sales are announced and everybody knows our commission rates and all that. So he's like, what are you going to do with your money? I said, I don't know. I'm probably going to put it towards my house. He said, why would you do that? Why won't you put it in the market? I said, because the bank is going to call me every month and ask for that 3% interest. It's a guaranteed 250 bucks out of my pocket every month, every month going to them. The If I were to throw it in the market, it's not a guaranteed. And the bank, the bank owns my house right now, right? That I, I have a mortgage through them. They have the deed to my house. I don't. It's really not even my house. I'm borrowing it from the bank, right? Essentially, I'm leasing it from the bank. It's a lease to own contract. They own my house. They could call me tomorrow and say, hey, Anthony, I want all the money for your house in the next 30 days. We have the right to call the note. The market's not doing so well. The economy's not doing so well. We want you to pay off pay off your house or we're taking it. We're going to foreclose on you and we're going to evict you. Like they have the ability to do that. To a certain degree, I'm sure there's laws and shit that protects against it in a way, but they have a degree to put you in that situation where you have to then go fight it anyway. And that bothers me a lot. I don't like owing anyone anything. Um, I And that was instilled by me, to, to me, by my dad. My dad made it awful for me to owe him anything. <laughs> if I wanted to borrow his truck, if I wanted to put put my boat at his house if I wanted to borrow his drill you know whatever it was he never made it easy and he always charged me interest even as a freaking kid he'd be like oh you want that toy you know you only have oh I remember this one perfectly PlayStation when PlayStation first came out I got a PlayStation like two or three years after it came out in Christmas and I wanted a game and the game was 20 bucks and I had 15 dollars I said dad can I buy this game He's like, how much money do you have? I said, 15 bucks. He said, well, the sign says 19.99. I said, yeah, I know. Can you give me $5? He goes, sure, but you'll have to give me $10 tomorrow. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, he goes, I want interest. If I give you $5 now, what's it worth to you? You know, I'll give you 10. You have to give me $10 tomorrow. I said, I don't have $10 tomorrow. He goes, well, you better work for it. Or I'm not going to give you the $5 or how bad do you want the toy, the, the, the game? And I took... I wanted the game, so I took it. And that whole next day, I mowed the lawn, I picked up dog poop, I raked leaves. We lived on a lake, so we had to pull seaweed off the shoreline. Like he made me earn that ten dollars, and he gave me two dollars, like two five dollars for mowing the lawn, and like two dollars for every other chore. But I didn't even get to spend much time playing the game because I was doing chores all day. But I, but he made he gave me a really valuable lesson in the sense of like. You know, what is, if I would have just done those chores otherwise, I would have had $25 rather than 20 and I would have had another $5 that could go to another game, right? And that's, and that's important because that's the same way credit cards work. That's the same way mortgages work. Like credit card companies, they're like, oh, a super low interest rate of only 11%. Like, man, if you have 300 bucks on that, they're taking 30 bucks from you every month in addition to that. You know, if you have three thousand, they're taking three hundred bucks. If you have five thousand, they're taking five hundred bucks more than that from you every month, and it's just money going right out the door and just going into those pockets. You hate if you hate big wig CEOs making you know ten million dollars a year for not doing a whole lot or whatever. That's you funding them. 
by making these poor choices financially. So, you know, paying your credit cards off every month, if you even have credit cards. I didn't have credit cards for a long time. Sometimes you need them to build up your credit score or whatever. Sure, that's fine. Put your Netflix account on there and pay it off $15 a month. And just put something super simple on there so it shows that you have credit and you have a history. That's fine. Do that. Put your utility bill on there. Um, you know, outside of credit cards like mortgages, you mortgages, shit, I was making 60 grand a year. And they approved me for a $500,000 house. I was like, are you guys nuts? $500,000 house? That's like, uh, I forget how the math all worked out, but that was my entire paycheck every month. Was It was like 70% of my paycheck was going to go to the house. And they were willing to let me do that and make that terrible choice. I said, yeah, right. Not a chance. We're going like, the, and we bought a, a house for 190 grand. You know, which was much more affordable. It was half. It was it was one of my paychecks a month, and that way I could start saving with the other paycheck. And I was I was married at the time with my wife, and still am, obviously. But that we we that way we're we're making the financials work. We're still putting cash in the bank and putting it away and being able to go on trips and whatever. And and we're not house poor, right? And we're not getting into credit card debt. And the other big one is cars. Oh my God, you can't, I, I I get so upset when people overextend themselves on cars. Like you're buying a $50,000 truck that's going to be worth $40,000 next year. Pretty much as soon as you dry it off a lot, you're going to lose five grand on it. And you're going to pay them in, in the end, if you pull out like a five or a 10 year loan, you know, five year, you're probably going to end up paying them 58 to 60 grand for that truck. And 10 year loan, you're probably going to end up paying them 62 or 65 grand for that truck. And when you want to sell it, because you're probably going to want a new one in three years, your your loan's probably not even over, you're just going to start another loan and another loan and another loan. And the bank's just going to have you this in this perpetual cycle of owing them money. And you're never going to be free of it. You're never going to be free of debt. I just, I, I, I can't, like, I can't understand that. Why people would want to continually feed banks money via car loans because they want to look cool. Like, I'm sorry, I'll take the fucking beater for five grand. Thank you very much. You know, and that's not even a beater. That's probably, well, maybe now in today's market, that's all right. But man, when I was 16, I bought a pretty nice truck with 110 miles on it, uh, 110,000 miles on it for 6,500 bucks. And, and I drove that thing for a long time and I sold it for nine. You know, that was a, that was a phenomenal sale. I made three, 2,500 bucks on that truck and I drove it for like three years. And that was a Craig, that was just Craigslist buy. Like I, I looked and looked since I turned 15, I just looked and looked and looked and looked for cars and not that I was going to buy one, but I just wanted to understand what the value was. And then when I was, when I was like 16 and a half, that thing came up and I was like, oh, this is the deal of a lifetime. My dad and I drove down to the south side of Chicago, which was not a very pretty place. We bought the truck and got out of there as fast as we could. Um, but, and it was a clean title. Don't worry. It was, it was, it's clean title. The guy was super nice. Just an old dude that had lived there forever and just had a truck and yada, yada, yada. So yeah, I didn't buy a stolen car, but the, the idea there, like, I mean, that was, that was the first car I bought and you can buy a nice car for five grand. You don't need a $20,000 brand new car. And people who think like, that, oh, it's going to have less maintenance. It's going to have this. It's going to have that. 
it might, it might not. It doesn't always work out that way, you know, because some people have a lot of recalls on their vehicles and stuff just sucks. You know, even my dad had a Toyota Highlander that when he started it up, the back latch would always open. And then after a while, it started rolling down the back right window and they couldn't figure it out. So he ended up getting a new one. It was all covered under warranty, but it's still a freaking hassle. You never broke down on them. But it is, but the the idea there that, that you have to buy a $20,000, $30,000, dollars $50,000 vehicle, it just doesn't exist. You know, I can easily afford thing of that you know, to today and get a loan on it. But why would I, when I can buy my F-150 for 20 grand with, you know, I don't know, a hundred or I what did I buy it? Like 80,000, 90,000 miles on it. And I can pay 20 grand for it and pay for it and have that loan paid off in a year or even pay cash for it if I save up enough. And then I'm not owing the bank hundreds of dollars a month on something that's going to decrease in value getting your money game right. And when you're the only reason, like the biggest reason when COVID hit, people have to get vaccinated to keep their jobs and why people were in an uproar about that. If they were financially free and they didn't need the money, they wouldn't have to get vaccinated. They could make the choice that they wanted to make versus saying, I'm forced to being vaccinated. You know, if you, if you had, you know, if someone was working and whatever at, at some company, let's just say, I think Carhartt still requires people to be vaccinated or something like that. So if they were working at, you can look that one up. Sorry, Carhartt, if, if you don't, but I think that's where it's at. Uh, if you, uh, if you were working there and you had, you know, 30, 40, 50 grand in the bank and you could say, you know what? I don't want to get vaccinated. And I have the money, financial stockpiles to leave this job and to go look for another job. And I can take the months to do that if I need to, um, because I don't, I don't want to make that choice. And I have the financial freedom to do that. Now I can't, right? Or any, or any company starts putting you in some precarious scenarios. You know, um, one of my other friends, she was experiencing like sexual harassment at work. And she had told her boss, her boss, and her boss didn't really do anything about it. And she told her other boss, uh, and he also didn't really do anything about it. And this guy was pretty much being a total dick and talking shit to her and making inappropriate comments. And she just wasn't, she wasn't liking it. And she didn't have, I told her, well, then quit, like get out of there and go work for your competitors. Like stop being in that scenario. And she said, I can't, they don't pay as much and we don't have the money on the side. So now she's trapped in this scenario. She's built her own cage and she's, and she's living in it and she hates it. And that sucks. And people do that to themselves all the time. They build a cage for themselves with choices that they've made financially that then allow them to, that then force them in that cage. Right, you want to do out-of-state hunts, you want to buy a new bow, you want to, you know, I don't know, buy a landowner tag out for elk hunting at some point in time. You want to do all these things, and whether you want to believe it or not, you have to spend money in order to hunt. You have to have the gear. Not you can have minimal gear and you can Craigslist the shit out of it, but you still have to have gear. You know, and you still have to buy your licenses and you still have to get from point A to point B. You still got to put in that gas money. You still got to have the vehicle. 
and then you still got to have the knives to cut it up and the freezer paper to put in the freezer and the and the scotch tape and the markers and you got to have the freezer got to have the utility bill paid like all of these things whether we want to believe them or not revolve around money and having your money game right will give you the freedom to do all of these excess things that you want and i just and and it boggles my mind that people don't take the personal responsibility to own their own shit and know what they're getting into. Like one of the other big conversations that just pisses me off is like tuition reimbursement. I went to college, I signed my papers, I had my tuition, paid my tuition, it's done, it's over with, right? My wife's done and over with as well. We we made conscious choices to say this degree that we are getting is worth the value on the outside when we get out we're going to make enough money to pay off this degree. That's like step one of adulthood. When you're 18 and people are asking you these questions, are you willing to make that choice? Because it's expensive. It is extremely expensive. And there are people I know, there's there's one person I knew really well that wanted to go to school and she was going to end up paying close to $400,000, $500,000 to go to school to be a vet And then her goal was to be an exotic animal vet where she was at most going to make about 70 grand a year. I said, do you understand how that works out financially? She said, no, but that's my, that's what I want to do. I said, that's all well and good, but you like, you'd have to live in a really crummy apartment or with a bunch of roommates until you're 20 to make that work. Not to mention anything like if you ever wanted to have kids or not till you're 20, but for 20 more years to make that work, you know, people need to understand that that's what they're getting into. And I don't know if it's if it's a school, a public education thing. I think it lies with the parents. That's a whole nother conversation in itself. Parenting is a whole nother conversation. But understanding money and how it works and how it's going to impact you down the road and how, more importantly, not like just financially, but impact your freedoms and your time away. You know, if some if some boss looks at you and say, hey, if you take this November off, I'm going to fire you. And you are financially free. You can look at them going, okay, that's fine. I'll go get another job. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. But if you're not and you're stuck in that job, you got to say, okay, I won't take November off and I won't haunt the rut. And that is going to eat away at your soul. That is not what I want for anybody. So having your money game right is going to directly impact so many things in your life. As, yeah, especially hanging out with your friends, getting dinner, you know, going on this this bachelor party that I had talked about earlier. Not the right choice, but it's or not the easy choice, but it's the right choice. Yeah, I can spend the fifteen hundred dollars on it. It's gonna suck like spending that and I hate it that that I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it because it's the right choice and I'm going to go hang out with my cousin and and hopefully make his bachelor party a little bit better. So having your money game right is essential. Jump into the last topic, which is hunting. And I know I've been going on for about an hour here, so I won't make this one too long. But hunting, hunting is a direct, very direct correlation to personal responsibility and owning your own shit. 
if you don't scout enough, if you don't properly plan enough, if you don't listen enough, if you don't read enough, if you don't watch enough, you are going to suck at hunting. Nobody, do you remember the first time you ever walked out in the woods and no one was there to help you? You pretty much walked around like a lost dog, didn't know what to do, ended up sitting in a spot. Maybe you got lucky and shot something and then you went there for the next few years and you never saw anything again. Or maybe you ended up just uh, not seeing anything and you didn't see anything for months and months and months and then you quit and now you're back in back into hunting because you know you the meat prices are so high, yada, yada, yada. A lot of different scenarios. I know the first time that I ever went hunting, I showed up to my buddy's house and I asked him for some broadheads for my bow. I said, hey, we have to use broadheads, right? He said, yep. I said, do you have any that I could borrow? And then after that, with a 35-pound bow, I proceeded to take a shot at two at a doe and two fawns that were running at 30 yards. I aimed at the front doe when I missed the third doe by like three feet behind her. (laughs) That's how clueless I was. I didn't know you needed to stop them. I didn't know that they needed to be closer. I didn't understand that I didn't have a teacher. So I I learned everything that I've had today from like, you know, 90% of it from, from scratch and from me listening to podcasts, me watching a lot of, uh, a lot of YouTube videos uh, watching a lot of uh, just DVDs. I have a ton of DVDs on hunting. And then also, you know, listening to podcasts, reading books, reading articles, becoming involved in organizations. The more you invest time-wise and the more you take ownership for, for your own hunting success, the more success you will find. And so when you go out in the woods say I'm hunting public ground and I go out there and someone's in my spot A. Okay, cool. I'll go to spot B. Someone's in my spot B. All right, cool. I'll go to spot C. All right, no one's there. Perfect. I can hunt this. Maybe someone's still there and now I got to go to spot D. If I didn't take the personal responsibility to own how I'm going to hunt that piece in case someone's in all those locations, then I'm shit out of luck and I'm just going to be pissed off at the world and I'm going to be walking out of there throwing tree stands around, kicking rocks, kicking dirt, yelling, hooting and hollering. I've seen it. I've I've been in a spot and a guy came by and he did that exact shit. He was so pissed off that everyone was in his spots. It's like, well, dude, I'm sorry. Like, A, you're pretty late out here in the morning. B, you know, you're hunting a highly pressured area. You should have put in a little bit more time and a little bit more effort. And it's not my fault that I'm here. It's your fault for not putting in more effort and understanding the scenario better. Because I, you know, when he was all pissed off, I could have pulled my set and I could have gone and moved somewhere else, you know, 100 yards away. And if he would have walked up to my tree and said, hey man, you know, how's it going? Do you care if I hunt 30 yards from you? Like, I don't know the area well. Like, this is my this is my number one spot. I was just really hoping to get in here. You know, I'll try to, I'll try to you know, not be an issue for you or anything like that. I'll, I'll play the wind properly. I would have looked at him and said, hey, man, totally cool. Take this spot. You know, take the tree I'm in. I'll pull my set. I have another great spot down the way. Or maybe I would just would have given him the other spot down the way. But instead he cried and bitched and moaned. And so I just laughed at him as he walked out. Like, what do you do then? Like, you don't help people like that. Like, they have to want to be helped in order to help them. 
So <clears throat> the the personal like responsibility it's it's not the other people's fault. It's not your neighbor's fault. It's not the weather's fault. It's not the time of the year fault. It's it's yours. It really is and that's what and that's why I look at myself you know, I had an unsuccessful season. I didn't even, I saw, I got a glimpse of one shooter this year. And that's, I, I don't think that that's like the season. You know, everybody around me, there's, we have, we have 900 acres around us that I know all the landowners for. I talked to all of them and all of them had crummy seasons. And I don't look at that as, I, I could easily look at that and go, oh, well, it was a, just a bad year and write it off and don't think that I'm the issue. But I don't think that's the case. I think I am the problem and I think I hunted our property poorly and I think I need to do better next year. So I need to plan more. I need to figure out more. I need to understand more. And, and the biggest thing I think I need to do is put less pressure on the property. You know, I need to I need to reevaluate what I did last year that caused me to fail and why I think I can write that next year. And it's, again, it's not anyone else's fault. It's not my dad's fault for riding around on the four-wheeler. It's not my uncle's fault for wanting to shoot squirrels, you know, around the property. I, that plays a role in it, but it, but at the same time, it doesn't. You know, it, it just really doesn't. It's, it's my issue. It's my fault. It's, it's, it's on my shoulders for not killing that deer. So that is... That's my personal responsibility conversation. I wanted to get that like off my chest. It's something I've thought about a lot in a direction I thought would would be interesting for the podcast. It's important to me. And again, I started the podcast because I wanted to share my life experiences with people and and talk to some awesome guests. Obviously learn a lot more. I've learned a ton by doing this podcast, but I wanted to like give information out when I originally started it, it was just to give information back to help people because a lot of people were struggling, um, that I met and ran into on public ground. And I just wanted them to be more successful because I want more hunters. I want more success. I want more smiles in the woods and I want hunting to stay around so that my son, when he turns 13 or whatever, whenever you can hunt in Wisconsin, that he's going to be able to, it's not going to be limited to, minimal animals when minimal seasons and and all the hippies have taken over and no one can kill anything like i don't think that's right i don't think that's how humans live how humans should evolve i think there's primal nature within us but that's a whole nother that's a whole nother tangent i wanted people i wanted to share my life experiences and this is one of them outside of hunting being healthy and being financially sound and being mentally strong are extremely important to just being a well-rounded person in general and having a well-rounded life. And I'm not saying by any means that I am the pinnacle of any of those. I'm not the pinnacle of health. I'm not the pinnacle of fitness. I'm not the pinnacle of mental fortitude or financial stability. I still make poor choices. But at the same time, like I'm, I'm, I'm doing fairly well compared to a lot of people that I've talked to. And I want to share those experiences and hopefully help you guys out in some way or another. Or even if I just motivated you to get off your ass, get off the couch, go into the gym, go out on the road, take that half mile walk, take that quarter mile walk, run that mile, try to get there. I have a buddy that 
has been overweight for since high school. You know, he just got into beer drinking heavy, and he just got after it, and he's had a beer gut for a while. And him and I are running a marathon, and he texted me today or sent me a Snapchat today of him on the treadmill running a few miles and getting after it, and he said, man, it felt so great. And that motivates me, and I know I talked shit to him the other weekend when we were ice fishing about that in front of a bunch of people, and I know that motivated him to get his ass moving too. So hopefully I did something to help you guys update, you know, and reach that next step in the life, in your life, whatever you're after, um, set some goals, get after them, get out there and make sure that those, certainly those two are top of your game, your health and your money, because without them, you're not going to go very far. All right. <clears throat> Hope that helps guys. Really appreciate it. I uh, really appreciate everyone listening. Uh, and I apologize for my voice. It is hoarse. I was at a wedding all weekend and yelling and screaming and hooting and hollering, but I wanted to get this podcast out and get it out to everyone. All right. Thanks y'all for, thank you all for listening. Catch you next time.